We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, Jalen, you go out in the second half, you really push the pace. You had your guys attacking the rim. How did that open things up offensively to take control of this game? Yeah, we, we uh, got some stops collectively and um, got some easy baskets. And uh, once we got that, the floor opened up for us. So uh, it's credit to our defense. It's becoming a habit that you and Julius have 30 apiece on these nights. When you guys both can put up numbers like that, how are you feeling the difference in the defense when teams can't pick you or him? Yeah. Uh, we're not even worrying about that. You know, we're just trying whatever it takes to win. And uh, it just happens that we both have 30 on the board. But, I mean, we really don't even care. You know, as long as we're winning, then that's all that matters. Josh Hart was big, especially in that fourth quarter. Eight of his 10 points. Then he added another 13 rebounds. What did you see from him down the stretch? That's just him being him. You know, I mean, <laughs> when his mind's right, he's good. You know, but, uh, I mean, I mean, we're just going to keep giving him confidence. I mean, that's, that's my boy. He's going to get it right. Jalen, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Kenny. Hushu, OG, and Brunson. When it is dark, they are my light. I think Ian uh, Ian Begley did a mailbag today. Shout out to Ian. Reminded, remember that I didn't do the thing I said I was going to do before, Andrew. I'll do that later. Um, he's called Brunson the team's only untouchable. Untouchable. Um, it's that's right. I would argue that like the 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 second place guy is OG and Anobi. Like they're they got their guy. They're not getting rid of their guy. Um, so I think I think it's appropriate to put the two of them together. Uh, Hush with a couple more. I hope Grimes doesn't get traded, but probably unlikely. I, I just. It's just tough because like you, you watch them and you it, again, it's one thing to survive our, a game against the Rockets in January. It's another thing to survive a stint, a five or six or seven minute stint without Jalen Brunson against the Boston Celtics in May. And like the Knicks front office, like, you know, we could talk about whether that they should feel this way, but like they want to give somebody a run for their money in the second round this year. And I just, I don't think the roster is currently constituted is good enough to do that. So, yeah. Thanks, Hush. Hush with another one. OG getting Luel Dang minutes happy, but a little concerned. Yeah, I mean, they're going to, I mean, you knew it was going to happen. We played 44 minutes tonight. 
I'm going to look up his minutes since the trade. My my guess, my guess is that it's it's up there. Um, I know the player that had played for a while. The player that played had played the most minutes since the trade um, on the Knicks was uh, Isaiah Hardenstein, or at least minutes per game. But I'll I'll, I'll double check that now. And then um, one more from Hush. I think Deuce improved, but. I don't trust him to run an offense. Over the week, I convinced myself in Clarkson, cheap contract, great bench scorer. So I've come around on Clarkson in a big way. Um, I think Clarkson is an incredibly talented bench scorer. I think um, I think he's more gettable than Sexton, who's the other guy on Utah that should interest everybody because he's, I mean, the guy's freaking balling out. Not a point guard. Clarkson's more of a point guard. Not a troop, not a traditional point guard, but then again, like that's not really what they need. Um Clarkson's a little older. His contract is very good the next two years. Jer- uh, Jeremy Cohen, fantastic job last night on Cream, uh, breaking down potential Jordan Clarkson trade. He obviously got a balloon payment this year, gets a very reasonable contract the next two years. I think it's 14 a year. But in terms of the Knicks, if they were to trade for a Clarkson before this uh, deadline, and again, shout out to Jeremy for covering this already, um, may have some may have some luxury tax implications and you know other other sorts of things. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I like I like Clarkson a lot though. So for what it's worth, Dom Cappuccini with another one. Nice to see Reggie tonight. Shout out to Reggie Bullock, man. That dude was a great Nick. No, maybe not great Nick. He was a Nick that made you proud. That dude always made you proud with his performance. Um, even if like kind of disappointing series against Atlanta, but that wasn't on him. That was just, that was how they were built. Uh, maybe we could get him for Fournier and we get a first back. Yeah. Uh, salary doesn't quite work there. Uh, good memories. Game time three versus New Orleans. My top Reggie Bullock memory forever and ever. Uh, still don't know why they peeled off him to guard Derek Rose when they were down by three. <laughs> Derek Rose driving. We'll never understand that. Um, and the game-winning steal versus Orlando. Wasn't that against Fournier? He got the steal on Fournier. Both an MSG, once a Nick, always a Nick. That's great. That's great stuff, Dom. Thank you. And then I think we got another one from Dom. Speaking of once a Nick, always a Nick, Staten Mellow. That was so cool to see. Um, um, let me read the rest of your comment, and then I'm going to get back to it. I hope number seven goes up on the rafter- rafters. I really love seeing him regularly. He is a regular right now at the Garden. Dude's there all the time, which is so cool. It's so cool after all of the uh, the nonsense with Oakley that really, truly sullied the franchise in ways that, like, I, I, I honestly don't know if they were quantifiable. But to now, it's like, you know, Melo's always there. Bernard King's always there, which is another, that's, he's a, another, obviously, a legend. Like, be great to get Ewing in the house some more. Obviously, guys like Larry Johnson and 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 John Starks and and Alan Houston, like they, you know, these guys work for the organization in different capacities. Um, so they're going to be there too. But it's nice. It's really nice. Like Mello, Mello's different than all those dudes. Like Mello is just. I mean, he's a top seventy five player of all time. Bernard King should have been. You know, but it's it. He's but him and King, man, those those two. Uh, great win, and it cheered me up for Monday momentarily. Keep on stacking dubs. Better get another one tonight against tomorrow night against Washington. And then on the Staten Mellow point, cool to see them in the building at the same time. I think for me personally, 
even though you could almost define not define, but like one of the one of the the characteristics that stuck out of that era from that era of Knicks basketball is how those two did not work well together in the positions that they were, you know, in at the three and the four. Is there a different universe where like they would have worked at the four and the five? Maybe. We never got to see that universe because they got Tyson Chandler and Tyson Chandler was awesome, which is why nobody really has ever, ever any regrets about that. Um, but I'll always I'll always link the two of them together because like. I, I mean, I'll just never forget the initial feeling when they got mellow. It was like, holy shit, we have a mellow, a, a Mari Stoudemire. We have Carmelo Anthony on the same team. We're, we're we now now we're one of the one of the big boys. And I'll always remember that feeling, um, even if it didn't work out on the court. Thanks, though. Delsky. What's going on, Delsky? Man, Grimes' body language when he went in during garbage time was rough to see. I didn't notice it. I'll be honest. I did not notice it. Um, it I, I'll go back and take a look. I recorded it, so we'll see. Ugly game, but it was a must-win game. P.S. I'm convinced OG's a robot. <laughs> he might be a robot. Um, Ugly half. Ugly half. Um, and GMAC is noting that uh, he noticed Grimes' body language when he came in and that it was the same versus Washington. I don't think Grimes is thrilled right now. I'm just going to th- say that. Like, I think he sees the writing on the wall. I think he's probably seen the writing on the wall since they signed Dante DiVincenzo. Um, you know... That's maybe a little unfair, but like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough because the conversation about DiVincenzo over Grimes started really from like the very beginning of the year. And I'm not saying that came from the Knicks. It didn't, but like Grimes certainly, I'm sure heard all that stuff. And it's been a, it's a tough season for a third year player tasked with an unenviable job. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, in regards to the the minutes question for OG Ananobi, since OG Ananobi came here to the Knicks, um, he has now overtaken Isaiah Arnstein, leading the team in minutes per game. He's averaging 36.1 minutes a night. That is the 14th most in the league since January 1st. Isaiah Arnstein is uh, 35.8. That number is 17th. And then not to be outdone, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, 21st with 35 and a half and Brunson 23rd with 35.4. So since January 1st, you, you think they maybe need to make another trade? One, two, three, four Knicks are in the top 23 in minutes played. So maybe, just maybe, might need to make a trade. Strong. <laughs> Bulldog Boxing Promotions. What's going on, man? I remember you. Uh, we've allowed 100 or less in six of nine games since the trade. As constructed, are we an elite defensive team? Elite. Elite, elite, elite. What the fuck even is even elite in the NBA now? What is, like, I, I don't even know what that means. Like, Who's who's the most elite defensive league? Since the trade? No, no, no. Just who's the most elite? Who, what what elite defenses exist in the? Put the Knicks aside. Take them out of this conversation. 
How many elite defenses are there in the NBA? Uh, off the top of my head, Minnesota. Sure. Um, yes. Orlando. Uh, oh, that slipped lately, but I'd say Orlando. It's still top five, right? I I don't. I see. I don't know that I could put the elite tag on them. I, if you want to, I guess I won't fight you too too much. Boston. Boston, I think, is elite. Okay. Um, I mean, Houston's defense looked pretty good tonight. They're very good. I can't do elite there. Miami borderline elite with the co- between the coaching and their top line guys. When they were all healthy, they're they're pretty elite. You just that's it. There's no that's the conversation. I mean, You've named five teams, which you could I, say Philly, you could say Cleveland if you wanted to, as I'm far not. as like really good defenses, but so I misspoke before. Since January first. The Knicks are not even number one in defensive rating anymore because the Cleveland Cavaliers, their last two games, have put the smackdown on their couple of opponents. They're number one since January 1st, 103.6. The Knicks are at 104.0, so just a smidgen behind the Cavs. Here's the thing, though. What? Were you gonna, I, just, I think you're about to say what, I'm, what I was about to say, which is thanks for nothing, Milwaukee Bucks, for laying down tonight and helping the Cavs build up their defensive rating so that way it passed us. Can I tell you something? I said before the season, I thought Boston would be the better team. Boston would win a bunch of games, the most games, be the number one seed, best record in basketball, the whole thing. And I said, I thought that Milwaukee would beat them in a seven-game series and represent the Eastern Conference. I think that was a bad take. I, I Something's off about that, this Milwaukee. I don't like what I'm seeing from this Bucks team. I know Giannis didn't play tonight, but I just... And I know they killed the boss, the Celtics by a million points the other night, but that was second night back to back for Boston. So, and that first night of the back to back was an emotional, like empty yes. the tank game against yes. Minnesota, where they were trying to keep the home winning yes. streak alive. Yeah, and they did. So, um, but I'm going to say Boston and Minnesota are the two really elite defenses. I'll put Cleveland on the border. I'll put Miami on the border. I'll put Orlando on the border. So if like. You, if like top five is elite defense, is are the Knicks elite an elite defense? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Again, I know the, what I was to finish my point before. So the Cavs and Knicks are in a virtual tie, point four points per hundred possessions separate them. The next team down since January first, the Boston Celtics, one ten point three. That is a six point three points per hundred possessions difference between them and the second place Knicks. And then just to make the point that I was trying to make earlier. If you go 6.3 points per 100 down from third, you go all the way down to 19th with the Lakers. So basically, the gap between the top two defenses since January 1st and third is the same as the gap between third and 19th. I'd say it's pretty elite. Yeah, it's pretty good. So that answers your question that that is what the fucking elite defense is. Bulldog boxing promotions. <laughs> you like that one? Uh, Kevin Danishevsky. Notice Randall has been hitting corner threes. How can we get him more looks? Also, I wonder if we get staggered even Chenzo for Randall only minutes instead of Quentin Grimes. Um, to the extent we get, we're still going to get Randall only. I mean, we'll get some Randall only minutes, right? Uh, great idea. It's a great idea. DiVincenzo and Randall, like having DiVincenzo on the court, and you saw it also um, for the uh, the dribble handoff, and then uh, Randall the dribble handoff, and then Randall set the screen, the back screen that opened up DiVincenzo for a three. 
when the hell was that? That was uh, in the uh, end of the second quarter. Made it 47-40. Uh, he just works really well with uh, uh, DiVincenzo. So I like that. In terms of getting in more corner threes, I, I think I've, ta- I've asked this to, to Benji before, and I think it just has to do with like the, the people you put in the corner are typically not your your initiators. And when Randall's out there, he's either number one or number two. So, you know, I I get it. I, at the same time, I'd like for them to do it more. Um, a little less just less justification for it quickly off the team. Maybe there'll be a little bit more justification for it if they make a trade. Thanks, Kev. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jonathan Hernandez, Pacers get Siakam an all-star while keeping all their key pieces in young core. Will we trade a huge chunk of ours for a role player? Is my logic flawed? It's not that your logic is flawed, and I'm going to do a, a shameless plug for the Knicks Film School Patreon, in which I got on earlier today and recorded, I don't know how long it was, 25, 30-minute analysis of the Pascal Siakam trade. It was 29 minutes long, GMAC. <laughs> I, I, I called it a Macri Mini. I intended it for me about 10 minutes, and I talked for 29. I'm not going to talk for 29 minutes about it right now. In short, I will say that the combination of the fact that uh, Pascal Siakam is a and it, it's not even a combination because the the two things that I'm about to say are are inextricably intertwined. Yes, he's made two NBA teams the last four years, but he is in the a, a large part of his value, despite the fact that he's a, a very good defensive player. Large part of his value is still de- derived from what he does with the ball. ISO player. I think there are a lot of he's not a good enough to be a number one on a championship team. I think there's a fair bit of disagreement about whether if he's your number two, how high is your ceiling? Well, we're going to find out in Indiana because they like Halliburton, you know, he's a version of a number one, albeit, you know, whatever. We don't have to get into that, but like he's not an elite ISO player, right? And the key is he doesn't shoot it. He doesn't space the floor. So you have a four, a power forward. That's the only position he could play if you're really trying to compete because we've seen Siakam at center. It does not work um, if you're really trying to win. So a non-spacing four who really, you're not going to want to play a lot of small ball there, who is entering unrestricted free agency at the age of 30 and is is going to get paid 
40 plus million dollars a year and probably closer to 45 plus million dollars a year. That is why he went for what he went for. Um, OJ Ananobi, the reason he went for what he went for is, as was reported today by several outlets, the, the teams and Indiana was one of them who were really trying to get in that OG sweepstakes and valued OG to the level of way above. Like, I know, again, it doesn't make sense because you still got Siakam, two All-NBA teams, OG and Anobi. The guys never made an All-Star team. Might not ever make an All-Star team. Doesn't matter. If you are trying to build a championship roster, OG and Anobi has more value than Pascal Siakam. Doesn't mean you can't build a championship roster with with Pascal Siakam. Shit, they did it already in Toronto. Um, I think the key differentiator there is Pascal was your number three slash number four, and it was before he was in this contract bracket. Um, that's the big difference. Uh, he also, his shooting has really subsided over the, the last four years. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my bigger analysis, but I thought it was a, a wonderful trade for Indiana. And this is to bring it home. The benefit that you, the, that you get to have the, I don't know, best passer in the sport, second best passer in the sport is whatever. He's top three or four passer in the sport as your point guard. And then you have a, a a guy who spaces the floor at the five well enough to have the luxury of those two things and the ability to bring in all these sorts of players, to bring in an Obi Toppin, to bring in a Bruce Brown, to now bring in a Pascal Siakam and feel confident that they are going to function better in your offensive unit than they did almost anywhere else. And we saw the offensive issues that Toronto had trying to fit all these you know, pieces and it's, it's, it's a clunky fit. Now, all of a sudden you go someplace going to be a great fit. So it's a great trade for Indiana, but I think the, 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 the price is far more reflective of, of some of the unique um, aspects of the, the trade at large than it is about like, you know, the Knicks had to give up X for OG and the Pacers only had to give up Y for, for Pascal. Thanks, Jonathan. Wilton Moran. What's going on, uh, Wilton? This may sound dumb. No such thing as a dumb comment. But why not give Fournier a shot at giving us offense from the bench? Alongside, alongside strong defenders, maybe it works. Uh, who do you want him playing for? Whose minutes do you want him taking? Want him taking Quentin Grimes' minutes? I mean, I guess you could take Josh Hart's minutes. But then all of a sudden, leaves you small. And like Josh Hart, who like the main reason he's out there is the pain in the ass he is on the defensive end. All of a sudden, that goes away. Um, I am good on the Fournier experience. That is not to say that he is a bad player. He's accomplished an immense amount in this league, and obviously a lot more internationally. Did not, did not jive with the fabric of this team from day one, and that is not his fault. But it's just not. It's not a fit, and it's never really been a fit. Um. So I would pass. I don't think it's a dumb comment. I don't think it's crazy at all. I just, I've kind of seen enough, you know, and um, that's me. Yeah. Thanks, Wilton. Richard David. We got to get two, right? All-star East selection. Uh, I, I don't, I, I, they're getting Brunson. I hope they get Randall. That'd be really cool for Randall if he got a third selection. Th- three all-stars, man. That's, that's legit. That's legit. <laughs> Zach Harwood, what's going on, Zach? 
as I told him all at the Lakers game, he's the closer. It's a good nickname. That's a good nickname for Jalen Brunson, the closer. Try to think. Did we have like a movie, the closer? I feel like if we didn't have a, a movie, the closer, we should have had a movie, the closer. It's good. Maybe, maybe Andrew could look that up. Yes, there's been a movie, the closer. Hold on. What a is second. it? Right? Yeah. I can't think of what it is. Though. There's a TV show called The Closer. That I think I remember. With Kira Sedgwick. That's what I'm thinking of. I don't know the movie. I'm thinking of the TV show. I've never seen an episode of it, of course. You know why the both of us thought of this show? Why? Because we grew up watching basketball games on TNT. And this yeah, was a show that came on after cool. Inside the NBA. You, you are correct. Yes. Good okay. job on you. I'm glad I made that connection. Okay. Coming up next is a just so focused a thon. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I, I just can't hide it. Just so focused. JB was all right, but he ain't no Jalen Green. I, I, I'm assuming that's an, an incredibly facetious comment. I'm, I don't know how to respond to it other than to say that it's very facetious. Shout out Gilbert Arenas. Oh, yes, that's right. I forgot about that uh, idiot. Uh, Josh so focused with another one on Josh Hart. Great game today. Doesn't change his plus minus numbers when he's on the court for unlimited possessions of Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle hitting tough shots, but good job tonight. Are we really talking about Josh Hart's plus minus? Do you want me to go to cleaning the glass? I don't think I want to do that because I don't think it's going to make your point very good, but um, clarifying the plus minus chat, Josh Hart plus minus numbers are a little fluky to me. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at it. Can I help? Because I may be nicer. So, Ja, I did this with XJ because the people thought it was all quickly and it wasn't because Josh Hart's off the uh, Josh Hart without quickly was better than quickly without Josh Hart. The flukiness is that when you take RJ off of everybody's lineups, they're all great. So Josh Hart is good whenever he's on the court. What's astronomical right now, which is affecting his plus minus in a certain way, is everybody is really good next to OG Ananobi at the moment. Everybody has a great offensive rating. Everybody has a great defensive rating. So it's flipping it the other way. That's what's always given me pause with Josh Hart and criticism is because of what the plus minus is, especially when you include after the trade last year. So I can tell you I did the research. It's it's not as fluky as you might think it is. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, at a certain point in time, you just kind of got to tip your hat to a guy. Like, now granted, it's been much worse since the trade. He was neck and neck with Emmanuel quickly for the team lead in plus minus when quickly got traded and it has gone down. So that would seem to to behoove or uh yeah, behoove Jaws argument. But however, can I add another part of that? Sure. Remove pressure Sachua. Yeah. Well, it's literally just one sub one like take them from on to off and, and that's what it is. To your larger point, what are we talking about here? We're talking about plus minus and lineup data from a nine game sample size. It's these are not like minimum, minimum, minimum. You need 10 games to make any sorts of like real conclusions. And like, what does Tib say? As Fred, Fred Katz reported earlier in the year, 20 games, 20 games, 20, give me 20 games. But to, Set, let you know, Ja, this is something I had been tracking, which is why once we got to 20 games, I wanted to see, is it Josh Hart that's causing that crazy lineup to be good? Or is it Quickly that's being that crazy lineup to be good? And while Quickly is good with everybody, 
even RJ brought his plus minus down. I'm not even trying to make this a shut on RJ session. I'm just saying that's how the lineup data being fluky actually worked out. It was when you take RJ off, everybody's numbers got better, including the, Josh Hart in this sense. So the point about quickly, like Josh Hart needs to be on the floor with better offensive players, but guess what? So does every role player in the league. Specifically ones like Josh Hart. No, I, I'll go. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but like, even if you have a great shooter, you have the best shooter in the league. Like you need, you need someone to like draw attention to get the attention off of them because they are not creating the advantage themselves. You need someone to create the advantage. If you're putting a role player on the floor without the appropriate number of advantage creators, then that role player is probably not going to be able to have a great impact. Emmanuel quickly is an advantage creator, which is why he's a more valuable player than Josh Hart, which is why he's going to get paid $25 million a year this summer. Like, is there any argument about that? Not, not in my case. I'm just saying with Josh Hart, it's different. Cause if you think Emmanuel quickly is a role player, if you think Isaiah Hartenstein is a role player, although it's different cause he's a center, but like those specific role players like Josh Hart, where they're not shooters, they're not just like put them around the, the ball handlers or the playmakers and you'll succeed. He actually kind of needs the ball to succeed and take advantage of gravity in that way and get out and transition I, in that way. And two guys go to box out Mitch or Hartenstein. He gets the rebound and then he's off to the races. It's a specific type of role player that he is. I, 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 the, only, the only minor pushback, I love how we're spending half of the show talking about Josh Hart, he needs the ball to succeed that's a term that I think is more applicable to like a Zach Levine. I understand why I understand why you're saying it, and mm-hmm. factually it is true. Josh Hart could still make a big time impact on the game, even if he is not seeing the ball in the traditional sense. Like, yes, when he has the ball in his hands, he's able to do more stuff. But if you're not like they play off him when he's on the perimeter. So how does he Succeed without the ball, but, but I, it, I get, but like, what? Why does he have the ball in his hands? It, why does he need the ball? Like, he goes and gets the ball. Like, he goes right. and gets offensive rebounds for you, and he pushes the pace in transition. I'm like specifically he, talking about the offensive side of the ball. I'm just great mentioned that, right? But that, and that gets him the ball. <laughs> I'm saying he's not if, someone that you can just leave him in okay. the corner. And he does not space defenses will argue will 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 honor that. Yeah, he he doesn't space the floor. That's all. No, and that's a big demerit. You need to. And that's what we always come back to. If you don't space the floor, you need to do everything else right to be able to become a valuable role player on the the level of which Josh Hart is getting paid to be. And when he doesn't do everything else right, it's that's open the show the way I did. It stands out. By the way, we messed up. There isn't a movie called The Closer. Oh my god! No, the Clive not, Owen movie. That's not the closer. That's closer. it's just closer. It's close, closer. Yes, closer. Natalie was a Silk Sutton with the super chat. John Closer movie stars Natalie Portman, Clive Owen, and Jude Law. And a fourth, very important actor actress that you need to include in that. So Julia Sutton. freaking Roberts, and in that movie, I that's a rewatchable for me, which is probably says a lot more about me than about the movie. I adore that movie. And nothing gives me my favorite like interaction between two people in the maybe in the history of movies. It's up there. It's top five is the fight that Clive Owen has with Julia Roberts when Clive Owen comes home and 
Julie Roberts is there and they have a they have an argument. I'll just leave it at that. It it is as good at 10 minutes of cinema as you will ever see. It's telling that that's the scene you remember. And I remember when Julia goes to Jude Law's apartment. I don't even remember that. You'll think. Watch it tonight while you're writing the newsletter. I, I might. I might put it on. All right. Let's get back to the, the, the jaw parade. Yes. Thank you, Silk Sutton, for that. Uh, Jostle Focus. Uh, Josh Hart continued. I need him to play better consistently. No disagreement. Absolutely. He needs to be better. I think he knew that tonight. And uh, Ja with another one. J-Mac, J- there's no needle that can thread the ask. More impactful player than Hart, who won't upset the cart, doesn't exist. Um, a starter to come off the bench. I'm not sure what... Uh, more impactful player than Hart, who won't upset the cart, doesn't exist. I... I think there are plenty of players out there. So I did the math. I mean, not I did the math. It's not hard math to do. Let's just say for argument's sake, they're trading Grimes. That's 17 minutes a game. Um, You probably want to lessen some of the load of some of these other guys. So you grab a couple minutes there, here and there. And then I think if you get the right player, if you get the right player, Tibbs will not feel as compelled to play Josh Hart at two for the minutes that he's playing. So Josh Hart's been playing about five minutes a game at the two. So let's go 17 minutes, Grimes, five minutes, Josh at the tar- Josh at the two, another two, three, four minutes, whatever you want, taken from Randall, taken from Brunson, taken from OG. Um, and all of a sudden you could get yourself a 25 to 30 minute a night player. And there are plenty of great players that come off the bench and play 25 to 30 minutes a night. And I think that's what they need. But I think they need a guy who checks a lot of different boxes. Um, is that guy out there? I'm not sure. Jaw with another one. There's no starter caliber who's backing. No starter caliber players backing up DiVincenzo. Again, I'll dis- we'll agree to disagree here, Jaw. I think they're the NBA. NBA history is littered with examples of guys who were ostensibly better players than guys that they came off the bench for. Um, including on Thibodeau teams, you know, like um, his six men over the years, like the the Keith Bogans example is always the is always the go to. But there's been other there's been other examples. I mean, Jesus, Derrick Rose, six man third third place finisher, six man of the year. The year he the year he got here, he would have won that award if he had done that over the full season in New York. Like Tibbs has a history with this stuff. Shit, Emmanuel Quickly. I know everybody always complained about Emmanuel Quickly's minutes, but like second half of last season, who was closing games? It was Emmanuel Quickly. You know, and he didn't start. I was he not starter caliber? Was Derrick Rose the year he got here? Was he not starter caliber? I'm trying to think of who it was on those Bulls teams early on. It might have been Taj Gibson, actually. Was he not starter caliber? And I and like I'm not even gonna go to, into like the Ginobili's and like the you know. Kevin McHale and like guys like that. Like that's unfair. But like the, the all t- kinds of guys. This happens all the time. Uh Ja with another one. Oh, only three behind Philly with three games left in the head to head. I'm not worried about. I mean, I'm that'd be great. I, sign me right the F up for the four or five. Either I don't even care which one. Anything in the four or five matchup. And I would probably sign for six. Josh so focus. Not enough characters to debate Josh Hart here. Love him. Um I do love him. I, I he 
he brings it's the same reason I love Tibbs. Because what do you get with Tibbs? You get a team that plays with energy and is prepared every night. What do you get with Josh Hart? You get a guy who plays with energy every night. And again, everybody has been affected by the last 20 or for, for, for a, a goodly portion of two decades that was just losing. Everybody gets every Nick fan gets affected by that in different ways. How was I defect? How was I affected personally? Especially with, you know, after we waited and waited and waited for the summer of 2019. And then what did the summer of 2019 give us? It gave us a team that for 22 games gave less of a shit than most of the teams that we watched for, you know, 18 or 19 years before that. For me personally, you give me effort. I'm I'm going to overlook so many sins. That's my that's my flaw. Might be Tibbs' flaw too. But that's that's why I love me some Josh Hart. Jessica, um, Grimes is going by his new name, Matt Ching Salary. Matt Ching Salary. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Just wanted you to sound it out. Good job. Well, I'm looking for a glass because I'm staring at a really good bottle of bourbon that I love to pour myself and I have no glass here. Nine left and you can drink all you want. <laughs> That's a, I can't believe you just said that out loud. <laughs> Mythic Monty, I need to retire my RJ jersey and I'm struggling to find the replacement. From this point, who on the team will end up being the longest after JB? After JB? Uh, you mentioned OG as the question mark. OG for sure. OG for sure. I would try to think of who I would bet on after OG. I would I go Randall? Might go Randall. Like whoever I pick next, I would pick with so little confidence. Like think about Randall. You think about Mitch. You know who I might go with? Because he's been so good and the contract is fine. And like him and Brunson were roommates. I might go with DiVincenzo as my third pick. And then I might go with Hart. And the and the, the Hart, for, I mean, for, I've praised him up and down tonight. And the honest reason I might go with Hart is like, I don't know how many people are going to necessarily want that contract um, for as long as it has several years on it. I, like, I don't know, you know, so to say nothing of the fact that I don't think they're going to be looking to trade Josh Hart anytime soon. Uh, OG for sure is the answer. L Coriano 11. Uh, since it is Tibbs' birthday, which coach manager in other sports is his equivalent? Perfectionist who hasn't won a championship. Showalter question mark? I mean, that's the obvious one. I mean, Andrew would be better to answer this for me. Showalter's the obvious name that comes to mind. Um, the, the other guy, and this guy has won a championship, but I cannot escape the similarities with the coach of another team that I used to root used to root for very vigorously. And that is Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cue up literally any Mike Tomlin press conference, like talk about a guy who gets the most out of his teams year after year. Talk about a, a guy who, even though he did win a Super Bowl, there's always been questions about like your ceiling if Mike Tomlin is your coach, right? You know, so I think Tomlin, show Walter, do you have another one? No, the, the Tomlin comp being perfect is because the biggest issue with him the last like three or four years has been the offensive side of the ball. He's had these 
top five defenses and you know they he's got Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph starting playoff games and yeah. yet they're in these games because that's a Mike Tomlin team and he's never finished under 500 but the ceiling isn't always as high or at least is yeah. understood to not be as high and the Super Bowl he did win was largely with a roster assembled by Bill Cowher that was, I mean, that was still Cower. It was that team at Cower's fingerprints all over. It was Tomlin's literal first year. So yeah, no, it was. It was wasn't his second. It was either his first or his second. I thought it was his first year. He became the first. I'll I'll look it up, but I'm pretty sure it was his first year. No, because Cower retired after the Super Bowl. Cower retired the next year because he went eight and eight. Okay, fine. Jerome would, Bettis retired after Super Bowl. That, yes, I God knows I should remember this. But the but the Steelers when they went fifteen and one, and then they lost to the Patriots in the uh in the in the playoffs, that was I think that was Tomlin's first year. You're right. They were ten right? and six. Okay. They were ten and six in 07. And then the next year went twelve and four with a one seed and won the Super Bowl. So you're yes. right. Well, the Cardinals. Yep. Good stuff. That was fun. Yeah, nice walk down memory lane. Diverted into Steelers talk here. I think film school. I will never forget. Show that. Walters the other the yeah. other one. By the way, that 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 is the obvious one. And unfortunately, I don't think he's ever going to get a chance to be a champion either. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on Tibbs winning a championship. Um, as sad as that is, but hopefully, I'm wrong. Abdullah Diallo Obi is back playing the role he's destined for. I, I don't know. Bash Obi Toppin like. He's a really talented player with flaws, just like so many role players in the league. It's su- it's such tough sledding out there for if you're a, a non if you're a, a non rim protecting big. I was gonna say non spacing big, but Obi's been killing it from deep this year. He's killing it from deep, but the fact that he's been killing it from deep and he's on that team with Halliburton, I think it really lets you know. If you're a guy who's not good enough to play the five defensively and you struggle in space and like you don't create offense and like just call space bait, Obi doesn't create offense. He he's he's part of offensive creation by function of his unique sk- skills and abilities and like playing with Halliburton, but like yeah, it's just it's a tough it's a tough fit. I I'd be I'd be really curious to see what contract he gets. To someone. Someone's going to pay him. Someone's going to give him some money. Play nice little deal. But, you know, I don't know. Thanks, Abdullah. With another one, Abdullah Diallo. I'm taking the over on Deuce being the last member of the young core on this team. Oh, that's easy. It's almost poetic. Actually, the defense, the first guy still. It's almost poetic. Actually, the defense first guy is still around. They love Deuce. They re-signed Deuce. Not a coincidence they re-signed Deuce. Don't think they want to trade him. Don't think they will trade him unless they need the salary to put in a deal. My only question to you is, is Mitch part of the young core you're talking about? Because if Mitch is part of the young core, that's the, that I like they love Mitch. Tibbs loves Mitch. Um, now, is the Hardenstein of all of it, has that changed the equation a little bit? Maybe. A little bit. <laughs> Thanks, Abdullah. Uh, another one from Abdullah coming up. Uh, thank you so much, man. Uh, incredibly generous. Thank you. Everybody's uh, submitted super chats and just come and watch and, and joined us after a, a little, little bit of bumpy opening to the show. Apologies for that. Um, Tibbs is just defense first. Steve Kerr. 
You give him a championship roster and he will win easy. All I know is he's overachieved since he's been here. We have a real culture. We make the playoffs now. Chill and enjoy this. I mean, I'm loving it. I love watching the games. I love rooting for this team. I get a little worried at times when I feel like the mojo of the team might be a little off, but I'm never too worried about it because of what you're saying about the culture. This year, I'm a little probably more worried than I should be about the standings because the the middle of the East is just freaking brutal with Miami and Indiana and Cleveland, you know, and, and I don't think Orlando's going to go away. So it's like, you know, you still got Dolan as the owner and quick trigger finger and the whole thing. And like, if they finish in the play in this year, like, how's that going to go over? Other than that, like by and large, I love watching this team. I love rooting for this team. They're such a joy since Jalen Brunson got here. And that's what Tibbs needed, right? He needed the the point guard. Needed it with Derrick Rose and then needed it with Jalen Brunson. Um, you know, you, you the, your last part of your comment is chill and enjoy this. The, the tough part for me personally, not that anybody should give a shit about this, is like when I know the conversation around everything is so toxic and it's like, yeah, I could, I could kind of unplug and I'm like, I don't like participate in any of it anymore. But like you get here and you do what I do at the end of these games. And it's like, kind of not really avoidable. Um, and especially since such a great community, which is largely positive for the newsletter and Substack and the whole thing, like you hear it there too. So that's the only part that's, that's tough, but I completely agree with you. Everybody, I wish everybody would enjoy this more than it seems like most people do on a regular basis. Cause like, man, a lot of situations around the league, including with teams that are winning where it's just like, my God, this is brutal. This isn't fun. We're having some fun right now. It's a, it's a good fun basketball team. Even if they may not be what everybody wants them to be all the time. Andrew P what's going on, Andrew? Why need JB and JR work so hard for every point? Why? Because they're the only two creators on this team. That was easy. Where does offense come from? It doesn't come from a uh, black top hat. I'll tell you that much. Will Oliver, insane minutes for iHeart and OG concerning long-term. Yeah, for sure. That it's, it's, it's why the Mitch news was so important and why um, if they, if Mitch is not back, it's a massive concern to say nothing about the precious minutes. Um, and in terms of, of OG and OB, like the most predictable thing ever is him playing all these minutes once they got him. Now, can they mitigate that? I think they can mitigate it. I think they the, the way to mitigate it is, again, if you get the right guy on this team to give you some real creation and take some of, again, Hart's minutes that Hart is currently playing the two. All of a sudden now that Hart can go and play a few of OG's minutes that OG is playing at the three. And then there's your reduction. But like all that being said, OG Ananobi is playing right now. What did I say before since he got here? He's averaging 36.1 minutes. Okay. So OG Ananobi. 36.1 minutes. That's what he's averaging right now for the New York Knickerbockers. OJ Ananobi in his one, two, three, four, fifth season averaged 36 minutes a game. In his sixth season, averaged 35.6 minutes a game. And then last, and then sorry, sorry, that those are the last two seasons, 36 and 35.6. So his last two seasons, he averaged 
either more than or the same as the number of minutes he's averaging for the Knicks right now. And then the only dip was in Toronto before he got here. He was averaging 33.8 minutes. But I think that was more just a function of like the Raptors team. And they had built this like super clunky roster where, yeah, I mean, I don't know. But this is these are the minutes he's used to playing. So what I know it was a lot tonight. And I agree with you. I, I, I would not mind him him playing a few less minutes. But like... He... <laughs> I hate to do it. He's built for this. Thank you, Will. <laughs> Kevin Danishevsky. Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier for Brogdon and a heavily protected first. Um, I, I mean, I think uh, Jeremy talked about it when it, when it came up. Is uh, is Orlando going to make a play for, for Brogdon? I mean, they got they could throw Fultz and something and, and the Denver pick. Um. Would I do it? I like Brogdon. I like Brogdon. I think I'm probably a little lower on Grimes just purely as an asset than consensus. I don't know. I Brogdon's a good player, man. Everybody forgets because he's in Portland this year and no one's paid a fucking ounce of attention to that team. That dude's good. Uh, I don't know. He's, he's on right now. He's playing Brooklyn right now. Um, anyway. Uh, I'm, it's a tough call. Makes you're making me think, but, but that's the deal. James Squilante at the Garden and OG is clamps. Awesome hands on Sanjun and others. Still got a pang of sadness for RJ and Quick. Love KFS. Yeah, join the club. You're in a lot of good company there. A lot of sadness, and I'm sure. I, I mean, Saturday's going to be wild. Saturday's going to be wild. Thanks, James. And another one from James. And 30, so ugly live, but the stats still come around. He might not be the most aesthetically pleasing player at all times, but uh, he does get the job done. Okay. Good way to end it. Um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, apologies for the uh, bit of choppiness at the top of the show. Uh, luckily, my, my wife is done with her online, uh, abbreviated online class that ran until 10 at night tonight. <laughs> Uh, so uh, it was a short-lived guest appearance for my youngest daughter. Um, good win. Uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Uh, who, anybody to listening uh, on the pod tomorrow. Uh, Benji for Wizards postgame. Uh, God willing, that's a win. Hopefully the, the Benji curse is long, long dead. And uh, I will be back with uh, more fun and games very soon with uh, Patreon with Andrew coming up and uh, obviously Saturday after the Raptors game. So see y'all then. Have a good rest of the week. Bye.